and welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, where we explore pervasive and emerging technologies and their influence and impact on society. In this series, we upload direct to you information, opinions, and insights from thought leaders, experts, and creatives from Austin and beyond. They'll share their perspectives through conversations, interviews, debates, discussion, and more. I'm Jay. I'm John. And I'm Barbary. And we co-produce the Upload for the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. Hi, and welcome to the Austin Forum Upload Podcast. I'm your host, Barbary Brunner, and with me today are my guests, Chelsea Collier. And as a guest today, not co-host, is Jay Boisseau. Chelsea, Jay, welcome. Great to be here as an interviewee today. Thanks so much. So we're going to have an interesting discussion about smart cities, which is a burning subject here in Austin and in many cities across the country and across the globe. And Chelsea brings a particularly interesting perspective to that because she is an expert in smart cities. She works with cities around how to solve a variety of civic issues using government and a smart cities approach. And Jay is a technologist who, as the founder of a number of things, including Austin City Up, is really interested in solving cities' problems from a smart cities approach as a technologist. So both of you bring a really interesting perspective and a slightly different perspective to the table. So I know that we're going to have a wonderful discussion today. Why don't you start, Chelsea, by telling us a little bit about your background and your idea of what a smart city is and smart cities approaches? Sure. Well, my background is about as diverse as the ecosystem for smart cities. And it's one of the reasons I think that I can bring this approach. So I've done everything from communications to run a small business. I've worked in state government. I've worked for a tech startup. And so smart cities is really about the intersection of all of those things. In 2016, I received a fellowship, the Eisenhower Fellowship, to study smart cities in the US and China. And so through that fellowship, I really started focusing on what are the collective issues in urban areas? How are cities approaching this in terms of how technologists can help, how community activists can help, how startups can help, and how regular residents can integrate along with universities and students. And it's really an everyone issue as opposed to just a government issue. So before, Jay, I have you tell us about um, how you approach smart cities, I want to share a story because it's really a story about how I met the both of you. A few years ago, there was a smart cities challenge issued by the Obama administration. And One of my first meetings with the both of you was when we were all sitting in a room with a bunch of folks from the city of Austin who were competing for the Smart Cities grant and and realizing that there were two technologists in the room, a bunch of folks from the city, and really no one except for Chelsea in the room who was a Smart Cities expert at that point in time. So what I realized in the course of this discussion with a large group of people around a table was that the way technologists think about using technology to serve to solve problems and the way city governments and people who are sort of lay people think about using technology to solve problems are light years apart. Mm-hmm. And Jay, I'm going to lead into you here because you were the only other person in the room who seemed to be speaking the language that that I was speaking as a technologist. So when you think about smart cities and you think about providing solutions, what's your approach and what's your angle? I mean, first we have to realize cities have been 
around for five to six thousand years. Humanity has been around much longer, but cities have been around for five to six thousand years, and they've always been collections of people that enabled specialization, division of labor, etc. And so for five to six millennia, cities have been run the same way. For five or six decades, we've started to have computers and digital data, and we've gradually incorporated computers and data into many of the problems that we wish to solve, and it's created entire industries. Uh, virtually nobody is untouched by computing and technology anymore, and that often means doing analytics to help augment our decision-making ability. The term smart cities literally means that. Take cities and make them smarter by using data, technology, and analytics to augment human decision-makers and to make some things even autonomous. So most cities would love to have autonomous public transport systems that get everybody to the right places in the minimum amount of time with the minimum amount of fuel usage and the minimum carbon impact on the planet. They would love to have smart safety systems that guide police to be in the right place at the right time and pre prevent crime or react to it most quickly. They'd like to have smart health systems that monitor environmental conditions, the, the availability of flu vaccines, the operational status of medical clinics, and can use analytics to do that. So in no way are smart cities approaches the only way to operate cities. Many issues are not smart city content. We had 5,000 years of running cities before computing and data and technology and analytics, but it is a tool. It's a tool that can help make many decisions better, make infrastructure better, make some better decisions, even automate some processes, some infrastructure, some services, and certainly aid human decision makers. But now they have some better insights. The same way a business leader would use analytics to run his or her business better, now a mayor and a city council can get analytics that can help make better decisions that help the population of that city. So, Chelsea, since you spend a lot of your time talking to, you know, chief innovation officers in cities, city governments, city councils, um, you know, business leaders, economic development leaders, when you think about some of the things that Jay just said about data and analytics being used to to make greater efficiencies and processes, better run things, um, where do you think the hiccup and the hang-up is in terms of cities onboarding, you know, technology to really help them effectively? I think as humans, we're predisposed to think of things in very black and white context. So I love that you're talking about smart city technology is a tool, and you can wield that tool to solve your city's challenges. Some of your city's challenges. Some of your city's challenges. That's well said. Um, I think we have this knee-jerk reaction to label things as good or bad, and we want to categorize them as smart cities as the stuff of the future, and it's only for those people, and the way that people are running cities today, that's the way it should be done. I hear a lot of that really polarized conversation some of the cities who are really excelling in this digital evolution, and that's really what it is. People get hung up on the term smart cities. It's just about introducing technology into how your city runs and operates so it can do that more efficiently. Decrease cost, increase operational efficiency, create a better quality of life for people. These are all things that everyone wants. Technology is simply the tool to do that. And I think, you know, again, we talk so much about technology and in, in the world of smart cities, but it all comes down to human beings and human nature. 
how they want to work together, how open they are to change, how entrepreneurial and innovative are they on the individual, on the personal level. And then that radiates out into departments and into organizations. And I think that's, you know, really the issue when it comes down to what's holding people up, their inability to change. I think you hit really two great points that I want to amplify there. One is that it's about using this as a tool by the decision makers. And again, there's no company anymore that would question the use of so-called smart tech. In fact, they don't even call it smart business. They have their Excel spreadsheets and their database reports. They have their Hadoop and data lakes. And now they have machine learning and deep learning technologies. Every company thinks data is the new fuel and is using that to run their company and provide better products, better services, et cetera. It's really no different than a city. We have a different label for it. We call it smart cities. But really, at the highest level, it's the same thing. How do I provide a better product, better services, better quality for now? Here's the difference. It's for everybody. Companies have to run their company for their shareholders. They have to run their company for their customers. Cities have to take care of everybody. And that's one of the wonderful things about cities. But the the overall purpose of smart cities approaches is really not that different than big data analytics for a company. How do I make my company the best? How do I make my customers the happiest and most satisfied? It's logically the same kind of thing. It's just a vastly harder problem. There's way cities are expansive and diverse and you have to worry about health and safety and education and workforce development and everything, housing and homelessness. And most of the data is not even collected. How can you do analytics if you don't have the data? So one of the things that I think about when you say that is that I think about our own fair city of Austin. Um, and I think about, you know, my experience um, having interactions with city council and having interactions with, you know, basically the entire city hall mechanism. And and I understand how this works and works to benefit in business because in business you have a singular goal and everybody is marching towards the same vision, mission. Um, and, and because that's an environment I come from, I see how it works. I've also had the experience of working with, um, you know, with our city government. And I know that uh, there are so many disparate projects going on, so many different allegiances and the, the 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 nuances of city government and the ins and outs of city government and the colossus of that organization makes doing that sort of neat and tidy data-driven approach seem, when I think about it and I think about how we'd implement it in Austin, I think, wow, that's a really overwhelming task. It's not even just Austin. Yeah. I- it's logically similar to how a CEO might want to run the company. It's vastly more complex and difficult and so many more stakeholder groups, so many more domains you have to, to worry about. Like you said, a company is focused on its product or products yep. or service or services. A city has to take care of everybody in every way. It doesn't have true, all the exactly. data to do it. So, And it's possible because cities all around the world are doing it. Well, challenging, yes, challenging. but possible. Yeah. So in sort of a pre-conversation, Chelsea, you and I were talking about the cities that are doing it well, and you specifically said San Antonio here in Texas mm-hmm. is doing approach. a great job, and the Denver and the entire state of Colorado is also doing a great job. So kind of walk us through a little bit about like 
what their best practices are and the results that they're seeing. Yeah, it's an open-mindedness and a willingness to work with people who maybe don't think the way that you do, don't have the same experience that you do. It's this opportunity to come to the table and say, okay, here's the end goal of what we're trying to accomplish and being willing to say, we don't have to do it all and we don't know the answer. And San Antonio specifically, earlier this year, they hosted an innovation challenge where they said, brought all of their different departments together, five major government agencies, and said, we're going to come together and we're going to figure out how to work together and identify what our biggest challenges are. And then they went to the community and said, here are our challenges. Who could help us? Full stop. So what an innovative way to do that. They simply raise their hands and ask for help. So is this really a public-private partnership or how, how does how does that engagement work and what are the problems specifically that they're that they said in this innovation challenge? Like we we want to solve for this. Sure. Oh, I'll have to go from memory. So I don't know if I can do a great job of answering that. But the first step that they did was they they came together to define what their challenges were and they identified, I hope I get this number right three different innovation zones. Mm -hmm. It might be five. It might be three. Please don't quote me. You can go to their website and learn all about it. I don't remember all the details. Um, And some of their challenges are around digital divide. Some of their challenges are around transportation, energy, things that every single city is challenged with. And between all their five different department leads, then they said, okay, and again, I'm struggling with how to describe it. Um, they said, these are the challenges that we have. These are the constraints that we have to work with. Because again, you know, we've talked about this a lot. You're not running a company. It is a government process. Who has solutions for us? And the room was packed, not just with industry, but with startups, with students, with residents. It was really an open call process to source innovation and source creative ideas. And I just think that more cities would really benefit if they could take that approach. Great. So that's a sort of really high level. When we think about sort of the implementation, so first the, you know, you've, you've got sort of, you've got this vision, you've got the, 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 the group ideation that solutions can be created, and then you've got almost what sounds like, a, a, you know, a, a, a strategy hackathon to to begin to narrow down who is going to help um, you know create these solutions. So now when I think about this at this point, now we're now we have to bring in like how do we use technology to do this and and how does technology work hand in hand with all of the sort of various government entities. Um, so Jay, I'm going to throw it over to you. Well, I think we have to back up one second on that. Cities are responsible for taking care of the quality of life in many dimensions for all of their residents. That's actually one of the Mm -hmm. beautiful things about city governments. They have an amazingly comprehensive and broad mission. Take care of everybody in every way is how you could sort of distill it. Technology companies have products and or services Mm -hmm. that they try to offer to enhance the capabilities of their customers. Um, Technology companies are far better at data technology and analytics than cities typically are. Cities have this wonderful comprehensive mission. Smart city approaches are as broad as cities are. And so the challenge to me is if the problems are so vast and so complex, how do you work together on it? 
And everybody likes to use words like collaboration and partnership. But do they really mean it? Are they are they going if there's I'm gonna speak from both sides perspective. Yeah. If you're a city government, do you say those words and then just execute an RFP or a solicitation and say you're partnering once you've picked a technology company to try to solve one of your problems and you've picked and you execute another RFP and you've picked another technology company to solve another one of your problems. Is that really building a smart city approach? Is that really building a collaborative ecosystem? No, that's business as usual. On the tech company side, if you're not focused on the broader mission of cities, you're just focused on the mission of your shareholders and customers. So how do you provide a data analytics and technology capability that helps that city really achieve the outcomes it wants? So the word partnership is crucial here. The problem is too vast for a technology company whose incentives are aligned with profits and shareholders and customers to solve for the city. And it's too vast and complex from a technology perspective for a city to solve. So I think the most successful examples are and will be where cities and private sector and the research community from higher ed and other stakeholder groups truly believe in collaboration and ecosystem. And they don't just see it as improving the way they operate. That's important, but improving the way they collaborate and build multi-stakeholder activities. Because there's really, there's not going to be one city that makes it city smarter without the aid of the technology community. And there's definitely not going to be one technology company that makes a city better just on its own without understanding civic issues, urban issues, sociology, et cetera. So that's going to be the real challenge. Very complex problems, many to solve. And that's one of the amazing things about analytics too, right? Is that transportation affects housing causes and housing and neighborhood issues affect health uh, uh, that affects workforce development. These issues are interrelated at more complex levels. So if you don't really look at trying to make everything better for everybody, which sounds pie in the sky, if you're not collecting all the data and doing analytics across the domains, you won't solve the deeper problems. So partnership and ecosystem are hugely important in this. And I think that's that's hard, right? It's hard with city governments to, they have issues of conflict of interest. They have issues of, you know, risk. But companies have issues of competing with each other and trying to make sure that they're pleasing their stakeholders and their, I'm sorry, their shareholders and mm-hmm. their customers. So I think that's where the challenge comes. How do you get the absolute best expertise on the largest set of problems and working together? I really like the way that you've framed that. And it gets to the heart of the opportunity, which is the city doesn't have to take the lead. A private sector doesn't have to take the lead. And what we're seeing is this emergence of kind of the third-party convener. Austin City Up is a third-party convener. Um, There's one in Denver. There's one in San Antonio. There's one in many, many cities that represents kind of the safe place where everybody can essentially bring their best resources. They do what they do best, and then everybody links to the rest. So I think as this model evolves and people get more comfortable with it and see it as a solution, again, it's an entrepreneurial way of thinking. You're creating something that doesn't quite exist, and you're having to give up a locus of control, which is very challenging for most people in organizations. But see, that's where I, I agree with everything up to the control part. The the problem with that model, and I've experienced this firsthand with Austin City, is people think they have to give up control when this organization, the safe harbor exists. 
they're not giving up control. It doesn't change the way they do everything top-down the way they were doing before. It adds a capability. It adds a collaborative With the framework. right attitude. With yes. the right attitude. And that's been the hardest part, <laughs> exactly. right? It's, it's, you need people to understand, hey, we're not, we're not taking your IP. We're not taking your fame, your glory, your money. This is the rising tide that raises all ships. Do everything you were going to do before and... There's a collaboration framework to do more than you could have done yeah. in your top-down approach. And I think that's going to be required in smart cities approaches because the problems are just hard. The, the challenges are vast. And I mean, heck, we can't even collect all the data in the city. How many atmospheric sensors do we have in Austin? How many um, sound quality measuring things? We have to recognize a gunshot or a cry for mm -hmm. help. You know, how many video cameras do we have and actually sort of know the answer to this, and it's not very many, um, to monitor for safety situations, right? So Why can't we time the traffic lights? Sorry, this is a personal issue well, for me. Didn't it's we pass a bond issue? <laughs> didn't we pass a bond issue that was supposed to take care of implementing digital timing yeah. and digital It actually is changing? hard. I'm, I'm being yeah. glad that nobody can see me joking. But yeah. you know, <laughs> and that traffic problem is a great example of a smart city solution and why collaboration is needed across disciplines. So Chelsea and I have talked about this before. You know, if you just put timers on your traffic lights, that's not smart. No decision is being made. Right. It's just a timer. Right. Smart comes when the traffic light senses traffic in each direction and changes to improve flow at the intersection. Smarter comes when the lights are tied together and they see the flow at different intersections, and they adjust all their timing, much like a network router flows packets better. Now you're trying to really flow traffic, not just change it at a per intersection basis, but improve the flow. Even smarter is historical data on patterns based on day of week, time of day, holiday, season, weather sure. conditions, etc. You can start to fold in weather is there a game at the UT Stadium that's about to let out? Social is there, media is there, events. Yeah. Is there a lot time. of buzz from social media about what's going on at Austin City Limits uh, Festival? Those things aren't all traffic data. But the more data you collect, the more comprehensive analytics you can do that could improve traffic. Likewise, that traffic data might improve economic development. Should there be a housing development halfway between two points in a city that people are constantly driving past because there's no housing in that area, no gas station or restaurants in that area. So are people having to take extremely long commutes that are affecting their health and, and stress levels? So combine, collecting all of this data enables you to not just solve specific problems, but maybe find some underlying solutions that really improve quality of life in some broader, more general ways. No one's going to solve that problem by themselves. No single city government, no single company. That's a collaborative effort among an ecosystem of brilliant people that are committed to the cause. So let's stay on traffic here for a moment because I'm, I'm fascinated by traffic. Um, <laughs> you know, having lived in Seattle, having lived in Los Angeles, having lived in Denver. It must be such a relief to live here in Austin. And now living in Austin, which quite frankly has the worst traffic of any city I've ever lived in, including Los Angeles. And when I find myself back in L.A. or when I find myself in Houston, I'm relieved not to be in Austin traffic. Oh, boy. So, wow. so <laughs> let's... Um, 
Chelsea, give me an example of a city that's doing it well from a traffic standpoint. Singapore. Okay, I know I'm cheating because, no. you know, Singapore, it's not fair. It's a city nation. There's 4.5 million people. It's a much different system so it's of twice government. The size of Austin. Yeah, exactly right. It's, it's, but it's really not that different than it, Austin. It, it is a nation city. It's pretty different. But I mean, in terms of geography size and population size, we could do what they do well, in theory. How Singapore is set up is it's a much a different, different system of government. <laughs> but what they have been able to do, and I spent some time in Singapore really understanding their model, mm-hmm. they have turned their government related to smart cities and implementation of smart cities inside out. You walk in there and it feels like you're in a tech company. And I'm not just saying that they put a bunch of cubicles and you know everybody runs around in a hoodie. They think very <laughs> entrepreneurially. <laughs> And they basically start with the challenge and they start with the question, how can we fill in the blank? And then they pull people who have the resources and the ideas and maybe funding is already there. Maybe it's not. And there's, you know, a bit of a misconception that everything is funded in Singapore and they have the the resources to make all of it happen in cities in the U.S. don't. I mean, I've heard that argument a thousand times, but it's not 100% the case. So again, I just challenge everybody who's probably having some opinions listening to all of this. Things just aren't that black and white. There is there is the opportunity to think entrepreneurially about every single civic issue. It just takes a willingness to do it differently. So I think there are a number of areas where smart cities or it let's call it an innovation approach to civic issues. Um, Certainly traffic is a big one. It's a pain point for all of us. Um, I think Jay's example of analyzing traffic patterns and flow patterns to understand where maybe a housing development needs to to be put or maybe a mixed-use development needs to be put. You know, when I think about some of the problems like East Austin, you know, is effectively a food desert in in many ways. Um, and for those of you listening who don't know what a food desert is, it's where people don't have um, within a reasonable commute distance really access to a great grocery store where they can buy where they can buy healthy food. Um, and that tends to be a problem in many of our probably almost every impoverished community in this country. Um, in Los Angeles, there's a terrible problem with food deserts in East LA and people not having, you know, being able to commute to, to getting a great food source. So, so this is where traffic patterns and, 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 and thinking about, you know, where you place developments sort of leads into community health, um, community safety plays into all of this. Um, Talk some more about examples of cities who are doing this right, who who are looking at, you know, community health issues, community health and wellness issues, mental health issues, and, and beginning to take an innovation or a smart cities approach to creating solutions. Boston was one of the very, very early, quote unquote, smart cities, and there is no smart city in the U.S. Let me just say that with a big exclamation point. Yeah, there are um, cities with... Smart city projects. Right. But there is no truly smart city. Yeah. And it's an evolution. And that's completely okay. We don't have to, you know, create a pecking order. Um, But Boston's done a a really nice job, again, because they are so data and analytics focused. They want to understand what the challenge is and then apply all sorts of different solutions to address those challenges. 
Um, San Diego, this isn't really related to um, the issues around nutrition and food deserts and transportation, but one of the important things that San Diego did was they identified what their values were very, very early on in their process. And in San Diego, they decided that the value was sustainability. They really care about environmental quality and everyone in the community is rallied around that specific point. So when they launched the world's largest city-based IoT network, they did it around, okay, we can save X number of hours of energy and this is going to not only increase air quality, but it's also going to decrease um, the amount of waste that we have coming from energy. And so that's how they were able to basically implement it. One of the very early smart cities projects in the U.S. that was of some sort of sizable, sizable scale. So again, every single community has different challenges. It's just about really making sure you're listening to the community and understanding what that is on a citywide level, on a neighborhood level, gathering the appropriate data, and then looking at the solutions that can attack those problems. Chelsea brings up an example that reminds me of a hypothetical example I came up with when I was creating Austin City Up, and that was to show people how different kinds of data can come together to give answers that maybe collecting one kind of data doesn't do. So I just mentioned it in traffic where you might use social media data and weather data and et cetera. Um, you could imagine collecting data on the healthiness of people in different neighborhoods and then combining that with data on uh, the food desert data that you mentioned, healthcare clinics, walkable pathways. How much are people walking in different neighborhoods? Are there playgrounds for the kids in different neighborhoods? Are there uh, health and wellness programs in those neighborhoods. If in some neighborhoods the playgrounds are not being used, why? Have the playgrounds been taken over by gangs? Does it correlate with crime data? Uh, if walkable, neighbor, some neighborhoods are more walkable than others, are there good sidewalks in those neighborhoods? If they're being walked at the same amount before dark, but less after dark, is the lighting sufficient for safety concerns after dark? Well, then tie in socioeconomic conditions. That's right. So if you're working three jobs, do you have time to walk around your neighborhood at 5.30 p.m. before you make dinner? It's just a completely different situation based on where you are and what everybody's lifestyle is. So I think it's also important to look at data systematically across the entire community I and agree. not make assumptions. I'm not saying that you're doing this, but not make assumptions that everybody's lifestyle is no, like in ours. Fact, you can't make assumptions based on just collecting one kind of data. You might be missing other things that are crucial in that. So the more of this data you collect, the better chance you have of improving your decision, your analysis and your decision-making ability about what could benefit that community and the people in it. Yeah, nice. Great. So it's, I want to wrap up and I don't want to, I don't want to get into a broad discussion about the city of Austin, um, but both of you have had an opportunity to work with the city of Austin. Um, Chelsea, you've had an opportunity to work with many other cities as well. Um, Jay, you created Austin City Up, and of course the Austin Forum is really about that intersection of technology and society and the civic body. And so think about everything we've talked about here, and think about the road ahead for us in Austin, because as much as you know, I may complain about the traffic, <laughs> I mean, this is my city, and I love it, and Austin is my ride or die, and, you know, and I know that's the case for for most of us who live here. So, so Chelsea, what do you think, um, to wrap up, Austin needs to do to sort of start itself 
or keep itself going down the path? What are the biggest hurdles to overcome and what are the next steps? Be willing to come to the table and say, I don't know how to solve this. I understand the challenges and who can help me solve them? Jay, I'll ask you the same question. I agree 100%. In fact, um, we had a Texas Smart City Summit recently at which the CIO for Austin said, we as cities need to articulate the outcomes that we want to achieve better so that the solutions providers can provide actual customized solutions to achieve those outcomes better. And the chief innovation officer for San Antonio was part of that discussion as well, saying we need better customized solutions from those solutions providers. So, in fact, we have a we have a workshop coming up that speakers from the city of Austin, Travis County, Central Health, Downtown Austin Alliance, Capital Metro, Housing Authority of the city of Austin, uh, probably leaving out one or two other groups, are all going to say what they want to achieve. And the solutions providers are not allowed to do any solutioning in the audience. They get to ask questions and then they have to go away and think and and think about what the possible solutions are. But the point is, everybody's going to be in the same room. It'll be held at City Hall. Mm -hmm. It'll be speakers from the people that are responsible for making life better for everybody. And then two months later, the groups that may have solutions that might achieve these outcomes will present their ideas on solutions that may do it. So Chelsea's right. If they don't all come together, it's going to be business as usual. We're going to be operating cities the same way we have been for five or 6,000 years. But if they come together and recognize that no one person has all the answers, but collectively, maybe we can attack some of these more complex problems, then I think we have a chance. And the good news is in Austin is we have an incredibly talented, creative, intelligent community Uh, It's a progressive community. It's willing to try new things, and it loves to create. And creativity is in our DNA in this city, whether it's music or barbecue or arts or I think smart cities as well will fall into this. So I I think we have the potential to be the best smart city in the USA in a few years. Do you agree with that, Chelsea? Completely. All it takes is willingness. Wonderful. So... Um, before we end, um, is there a date on this um, Smart Cities Innovation event at City Hall? Is it open to the public? It is absolutely open to the public. It's on September 18th, 2019. I have no idea what day people will listen to this podcast. But on September 18th, uh, it's it's open to everybody. And then November 12th is the follow-up event at which the solutions providers will show what they've gone off and thought about for the last seven or eight weeks. So um, there'll be other events as well. AustinCityUp.org will post these events. Um, And of course, there's great work being done by the city already on its own, by tech companies already on their own. We'll try to collect a lot of that on AustinCityUp.org as well. Wonderful. Well, Chelsea and Jay, thank you very much. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Um, Thanks. It is always lovely to spend time with both of you. And Jay, I look forward to next week when you resume your duties as (laughs) co-host. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.